Welcome to Light Church. We're so glad you could join us for this weekly message. We hope this message leaves you feeling inspired and equipped to be all that you were made to be. Hey, welcome to Light Church. Welcome to our virtual gathering. Whoever you are, whatever your story is, However you ended up watching this morning, I want to encourage you that you are amongst family, that you are so welcome here. It's been so encouraging hearing how many of you have been gathering those in your homes, committing to watching this every single Sunday. It's been so good to hear how these gatherings have been blessing you, encouraging you, inspiring you. Uh, So I want you to know that we're so excited and honored to spend these few moments together. If you watched the gathering last week, uh, you would have heard me talk about this, this message, Don't Miss the Moment. And the moment I was referring to is this cultural moment that I believe we find ourselves in right now, a moment that will define the way forward, but also a spirit-led moment, a moment that the spirit is, is uh, stirring the church to address some things, some, address some things around racial injustice and, and racism. Uh, and this morning, I want to continue that conversation on, but from a different perspective, from a, a different angle this morning. So if you would turn with me to Romans chapter 12. And I'm going to read two passages, one from uh, verses 4 and 5 and one from verses 15 and 16. So Romans chapter 12. It says, For each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. And then jump to uh, verse 15. It says, Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. The Bible talks a lot about unity, talks a lot about uh, the followers of Jesus. If you consider yourself a follower of Jesus this morning, the Bible talks about us as a body. It talks about us uh, to be one, that we are one with one another, which I think is really encouraging. We are a body. Uh, Christ is the head and we are the body, the body of Christ. And uh, I think that the Bible can speak into this cultural moment in such a profound way, using this imagery of a body, talking about the angle of unity. I want to preach a message this morning entitled, Lend Me Your Shoes. Lend Me Your Shoes. My heart for you this morning that this message wouldn't just puff you up with knowledge or, or give you some good uh, principles to live your life, but that it would encourage you and inspire you to, to step into the future that God has for you, to, to be the person that God is calling you to be. You know, we're passionate about justice at Light Church. We believe that God is passionate about justice. So this is why I believe we've got to talk about this. Lend me your shoes. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you that you are with us right now. Your word says where two or more gather, that you are present with us. God, we just declare that you are present with every single one of us watching right now. God, I thank you that you never leave us. Holy Spirit, I just pray that your spirit of peace will fall in every home watching now. That we wouldn't just go through the motions, we wouldn't just listen and maybe have a good time or be entertained. But God, I pray that this would change us this morning. Holy Spirit, Open our eyes, open our ears, open our hearts to see the world the way you see it. God, we thank you that you have such an incredible plan for us as individuals, as people, and as a church, as a community. We love you, God. We thank you for all that you're doing. 
In Jesus' name, amen. So talking around this idea of being a body, being one, I was, I was out skating the other night uh, with a couple of friends and we were, uh, we were heading down some, some pretty big hills and we were going quite fast. And uh, don't worry, we were safe. And uh, I, I kind of set up my, my board just before we went. And, and there's, there's obviously four wheels and then there's two uh, bolts or two nuts uh, that affect how stiff the wheels are. So if the board is stiff, then it's a little bit harder to turn, but you probably go a little bit faster. And if those nuts are a little bit looser, then the board will, will turn a bit easier. So before I went out, I, I set up the board. I, I tightened up uh, both sides thinking we were all good. And, you know, we head out to, to the Lytham front and we were going and it was terrible in the wind, uh, but we had a good time. And it was all good on the flat ground. But then when we went to the next place and we were, you know, going down these hills, I kind of realized that I didn't obviously spend enough time setting up the board because uh, the bolt on the front was a lot looser than the bolt at the back, which meant that the wheels at the front would turn a lot easier than the ones at the back would. Now, I only noticed this going down a real big hill because anytime I hit like a little crack in the road or anytime like I hit a bump or whatever, the front would just wiggle and kind of send me wobbling a little bit, but the back was all fine. And in, in preparing this message and looking at like the body and looking at unity, I felt that that picture of that skateboard just really spoke into exactly what we were talking about. I really felt like God nudged me on this one as I was preparing this message. And this is kind of a big lesson that we can pull out of this. And it's this, that a lack of equality specifically leads to a lack of stability generally. So a lack of equality specifically in one area leads to a lack of stability, generally. You know, so uh, Martin Luther King, he, he kind of coined this famous quote. It says, a, a threat to justice somewhere is a threat to justice everywhere. This kind of idea that something that is affected in a locality or a specific thing, well, doesn't just affect itself, but it affects something generally. You know, it's hard for us in, in like Western civilization to wrap our heads around this because we probably find ourselves being more individualistic uh, than we do corporate. Like we understand our identity as individuals uh, more so than we do as our identity corporately. So it means that when the Bible is talking about uh, a body and when the Bible is talking about us being one, we understand that as to mean in ourselves and maybe those around us. Uh, but the Bible's talking into this idea that what happens on a specific level affects stuff on a general level. Just like on that skateboard, like the, the back wheels were all good. The back wheels weren't the ones struggling. You know, the front wheels were the ones that were a little bit loose and causing me to wobble. But the thing is, just because the back wheels were all good, it, it, was, it was affected generally. The whole unit, the whole vessel was affected because of one part of it. You know, the Bible talks into this idea of the body. So Christ is the head and we are the body, often called the body of Christ. Who am I talking to? I'm talking to you if you believe that you are a follower of Jesus. You will call yourself a Christian. The Bible says that you are the body of Christ. We, the church, are the body of Christ. We are to be one. And I found it really interesting over the past week or so, and maybe over the past couple of weeks, as, uh, as, the, as we've looked at racial injustice and, has, and society has wrestled with this idea of racism, 
And, uh, and this is so real to so many people. There's so much pain that is emerging in this time. And something that has, has maybe been a response to the, the, Black Lives La- uh, the Black Lives Matter line, which I totally believe Black Lives Matter, the, the big response to that has been all lives matter. So whenever someone says Black Lives Matter, the response has been, well, all lives matter. And I really feel that this idea, this imagery of the body, of us being the body of Christ, speaks into this in a beautiful way. That response, all lives matter. It would be like me saying to you, like, hey, hey, I need you to call a doctor. My, my leg is real hurt. And he'd be like, you turn around being like, well, what about my leg? Like, my leg's important too. And then me saying, well, is your, is your leg in pain? And you being like, no, but it, it still matters though. It's just the same. Like, when the Bible's teaching into us being a body, and we want to take this in the light of that, that lesson that something, a lack of equality specifically leads to a lack of stability generally. When we take that into account, we actually understand that if something happens to a part of the body, it doesn't just affect that part of the body in isolation. It affects us as a whole, which means that stuff that affects one part of the body affects the whole body. Let me read a passage, 1 Corinthians 12, 24 to 25. This is what it says. It says, but God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. That the parts would have equal concern for each other. Yeah, as we, as we journey through this morning, this message, lend me your shoes. I want to talk on this idea of racial inequality, racial injustice. And I think that these passages in Romans have a lot to say about this. Paul has a lot to say about this. When we study the Bible, when, uh, when we, we look, it's often called hermeneutics, so like interpretation of the Bible. Biblical studies uh, loves to use these big, these big words. And uh, one, one of the methods for biblical studies is called the historical critical analysis. So this is like taking into the equation different factors about like who was it written to? Uh, who would have been listening? Who would have heard it? What were the implications there? What was uh, the political landscape like at the time? Uh, what was the social landscape like at the time? And if we can look into these factors around the passage, then actually it will shed a greater light on what the passage is actually saying. So I actually think that Romans, before we jump into this passage and see what, see what Paul has to say about us being one, about us being a body, about us uh, being united, let's just quickly get a little bit of a picture. Let's get some context about what Paul was writing into. So we're talking first century. The church in Rome would have been started by possibly non-apostolic Jews, so uh, Jewish Christians that would have, uh, so they weren't like the disciples, but it would have been people that would have been around the happenings, happenings of Jesus. And then uh, Christianity obviously spread like wildfire throughout the first century, gets to Rome. So in Rome at the time, you have uh, Jewish Christians, you have Jewish non-Christians, you have Romans, and then Gentiles. Uh, but you would have Gentile Christians in there too. Now, to the Romans, there wouldn't have been a massive distinction between uh, Jewish non-Christians, Jewish Christians, and Gentile Christians. To the Romans, they all kind of looked the same. 
They were all kind of following a form of Jewish custom. They were religious. Uh, you know, they, they were monotheistic. They worshipped one God, whereas obviously the Romans were polytheistic. Or maybe even uh, they just kind of picked and chose whatever they wanted. A little bit of uh, syncretism in there. So like the, the Jews and the, the Gentiles would have all been kind of lumped together. They are just like the religious ones. And then we have the Roman Empire. Now, this is interesting. This Roman Empire, Claudius, was mentioned twice in the New Testament. That's one more time than any of the other two. So it's in the year AD 49. And Claudius makes this real big statement. He kind of, he kind of pushes the culture into a cultural moment. This is a real big moment uh, for the time, both politically, socially, religiously. This is a big moment. And in what's called the Edict of Claudius, so this is kind of like a big decree that he put out in the year AD 49, he basically exiled all the Jews from Rome, kicked them all out, told them all to leave, like, you are not welcome here, get out. So this was like a, a crazy experience. So we go from uh, the, the, the Christian church in Rome Obviously, this is who Paul's writing to. The Christian church in Rome was, it kind of felt quite Jewish because it, obviously its leaders would have been uh, former Jews, but they'd be Jewish Christians. So culturally, they would have assimilated into a Jewish mindset. That's who they were, but they believed Christian things. They would have believed the same Christian doctrines that are similar to what we would believe today. So all the Jews get kicked out, and then you get left with the Gentiles and the Romans. So the Gentile Christians were the ones now suddenly leading the churches, but they didn't want to look too much like Jews. So what they did is they split up into all these little house churches. They split up all around the place, and they were gathering in these house churches. Now, the, the Gentiles had their own customs, their own ways. They weren't culturally Jewish. That's why they weren't kicked out. But they didn't want to look like they were Jewish, like they were the, the religious folks. So instead, they kind of changed the, the practices of Christianity, not the beliefs of Christianity, but sort of the culture around it, the, the religious uh, culture around it would have felt more Gentile. So the, the Christian church in Rome would have gone through a little bit of identity switch. So it would have felt, you know, very Jewish. AD 49, all the Jews are kicked out. Now you've got the Gentile church, feels very Gentile. And then a couple of years go by, five years, and Claudius in the year AD 54 passes away. And as he passes away, his edict dissolves. And the Jews, the Jewish Christians and the Jewish non-Christians begin to trickle back into the sea. They begin to, to sort of migrate back in. Now this is a slower process. And we believe that Romans, Paul's letter to the Roman church, arrived in around the year AD 57, okay? So this is like three years. I mean, still, the Jews would have been trickling back in, sort of, you know, getting back into where they'd come from. However, when the, the Jews returned, everything had changed. Everything was sort of different. There was racial tension, okay? It's like the Bible, again, I mean, we might not understand this, we, you know, the way we read it, but if we dig into it, we can actually see the story behind it. I'm not wanting to pull stuff out that isn't here. You know, you can go do your research yourself. This is so interesting. So what happens is the, the, the Jewish Christians and the Jewish non-Christians, they arrive back in Rome. And firstly, what happens is the, the Jewish non-Christians kind of want to distance themselves from the Jewish Christians. So they kind of Push, push to the side a little bit. Then the Jewish Christians come back and they see the church, 
that they, you know, once built, that they once part of, feels very Gentile-y, okay? And, and they were Christians, but they obviously still were Jews, they, as in their custom was Jewish. And they come back, and the very thing that they despised for many years, the Jews and the Gentiles, never saw eye to eye. You know, we want to talk about racial tension. The, the, the Jews believed that they were above the Gentiles. So they come back, and the churches start to feel very gentile And they're starting to go through this identity crisis because they were Christian Jews. You know, they had this Jewish custom, and now they're having to figure out, well, are we going to assimilate and, and, be, and be Gentile Christians, or are, gonna, are we going to lose our heritage? Everything kind of feels different. But then the Gentiles had been there for five years, just doing their own thing, just cracking on. And all of a sudden, they're like, no, you can't really tell us what to do because we've been doing this for five years or so. So then the Jews begin to get a little bit uppity about this and start to push back against the Gentile Christians. And there is division. There is a big division happening. The, the Jews start claiming certain things about God. It's like he was our God in the first place. And actually, you Gentiles are kind of missing the boat anyway when it comes to some of the, uh, the ceremonies that we go through. They're important too. What about circumcision? What about following the Jewish law? So there's all this like these weird cultural divides going on. It's a very messed up situation. And then it starts to get personal. You can understand how this would look. And, and, and people start pushing each other away. When all, all along, they were all Christians. They all claimed to follow the teachings of Jesus. They all wanted to, uh, to reach people uh, for the Christian faith. But they couldn't even get on. The Jewish Christians believed that the Gentiles were still unclean for some reason. Uh, the, the Gentiles would have thought the Jews were just being really imposing and not accepting who they were. And it was just this racially tense environment. Now, we don't know about a whole lot of oppression or anything. That comes later on when all the Christians are, uh, are persecuted. But at this time, it was just racially tense. The, 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 the vision was very evident. The, the racial like, boundaries, the guidelines, the, where they knew where they ended and where they, the next crew began, that was very apparent. So when we read these passages that we read at the beginning from Romans 12, it kind of puts it in a new light. It puts it in a new perspective. You know, Paul's letter got there three years of, of Jews trickling back in. And he's talking about, you are all one. You are made to be one. This is important. You, you are one body. And then later on, he's saying, you know, like, learn to live in harmony. This isn't Okay. So Paul begins to start speaking into this real messed up situation. And it puts it in a completely new perspective for us. And, and Paul pulls out three real key ingredients. It, it, these are like his, his three tools, these three values, three things that needed to be upheld if they were going to live as a body, live as one, live united. If you're taking notes this morning, the first value that Paul pulls out is we need to value empathy. He says this in verse 15, Romans 12, 15. It says, rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. So this is Paul speaking to that church saying, like, you are so broken and divided, you can't even get on. You need to value empathy. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. What is empathy? 
Empathy is not pity. It is not just compassion. It's not sympathy. It's not just looking at someone who's in pain or who's different or who's going through something different than you and just being like, oh, that's, that's sad. Empathy is actually taking your shoes off and stepping into their shoes and committing to trying to see the world through their own eyes. Paul's like, if you want to live in unity, if you want to be the body of Christ that God is calling you to be, you need empathy. You need to learn to, to celebrate with those who are celebrating. How can you do that? By getting involved and seeing the world as they see it. And you might not agree or whatever, but just celebrate with them. See the world the way they see it. Commit to empathy. You know, it's so easy for us in our culture today to allow racism or racial injustice to thrive in our churches, in our homes, in, in, on our streets. It is so easy to allow racial injustice to thrive when we don't even believe that racism is a thing anymore. I've heard so many people say, why, why are we even talking about this? Why does this matter? This, this is an American issue. This isn't in the UK. I've spoken to so many friends from the black community who, who tell painful stories of experiences they had when they were children, when they were in teens, when they were in their, in their high schools or colleges or even in the workplaces. It's so easy to be privileged. Like we said last week, privilege is not having to deal with something because it doesn't affect you. It's so easy for us to dismiss this conversation around racism because it doesn't affect us. We, we have never put our feet in the shoes of those that it does affect on a daily basis. You know what Paul is saying? Look, if you want to thrive as one, you need to learn to see the world as each other sees the world. Can I encourage you to those who are maybe struggling to get your heads around this idea that racism is still a part of our society today? Can I encourage you to go and speak to people and just, and just ask them, help me see the world through your eyes. I want to understand. I want to, I want to cry with you. I want to share this burden with you. I, I, want to, I want to be in this with you. But it's so easy for us to say, that's not even a thing. You know, racism will thrive in our country, will thrive in our church. If we just say, well, I've never seen it. It would be like in the body analogy, it would be like a, a perfectly healthy arm saying to a broken leg, you're all fine. Like you're all good. I don't feel anything. When you know, the leg is, is broken and experiencing pain. If we want to thrive as a community, if we want to thrive as the body, we need to have empathy to see the world through other people's eyes. Listen to this, Galatians chapter 6, verse 2 to 3, it says, Share each other's burdens, and in this way, obey the law of Christ. If you think you are too important to help someone, you are only fooling yourself. You are not that important. Share each other's burdens. Something that happens specifically affects generally. It is not an isolated thing. If something affects the body, one part of the body, it affects the whole body. And God is calling us to be a people, to understand our role as the body. We play different roles. We do different things. We see things different ways. That's okay. We can have diversity. I'm not saying everyone needs to be the same. No, the, the passage says that we all play different parts. But what I'm saying is, is if one part of the body is crying out in pain, 
Who are the other parts of the body to say, no, you're fine, get over it? Actually, if we are to, to be a body and to be effective, we need empathy to see things the way that the, the part of the body that is in pain is feeling, the, the way that they are experiencing things. Can I encourage you to commit to empathy? Let us hold empathy as a high value. If we follow Jesus, we need to learn to see the world as others see the world. That is what it means to share each other's burdens. Empathy. The second thing that Paul says we should value, that we should commit to, is unity. And this sounds strange. It says, oh, Dan, you already said, you know, that we're, we're one. Is that, is that not unity enough? You know what I find really interesting? You can have connectedness. You can have relationship. In fact, you could even have like a togetherness, but not unity. I heard an old preacher say, if you tie two cats' tails together, you have connection. You have a form of relationship. You have a togetherness, but I can assure you you will not have unity. Okay, because both those things are going to want to run the exact opposite direction. You can have connectedness, but not unity. That is why unity needs to be a high priority. See, when harmony or unity is not valued, okay, when, when, when living in harmony, this is what Paul says in, in Romans 12 verse 16, it says, live in harmony with one another. When that is not the value, it's easy to excuse a sort of dissonance in the body. It's, it's okay to justify that actually one part of the body is experiencing pain and another part isn't and not sharing in that because actually if unity and harmony are not a value, then it's, it allows us to actually go through life and let racial injustice thrive because we stand there and say, well, actually, it doesn't affect me. So I'm not going to fight for that really because I mean like, if it affected me, then obviously I, I would do something about that, but I can't see it. I don't, I don't see the world that way. Can I say if there is anything that seeks to, to uh, push a wedge into our unity, that, that seeks to dismantle the body, that seeks to oppress us being united, being a, of one mind, of, of being one, we need to address it, we need to oppose it. So actually, when we just fail to recognize that there is uh, a community that is experiencing pain in our own country, on our streets, and we just say, you know what, like, I don't know, I, I don't see it that way. But if unity was forefront in our mind, if it was our value, we value unity, we strive for unity. If we were to strive for unity, we would go after anything that seeks to make us ununited, that, that seeks to, to pull us apart, that seeks to cause any division. If we want to be as one, we have to value unity. Connectedness just isn't enough. Oh, but I brush shoulders with them all the time. Like I've seen, like I have loads of friends in the black community and I've never, I've never been told anything about, I, I, you know, I, I go to work with them and I've never seen anything. Connectedness isn't enough. We have to care about what each other cares about. We have to experience what each other goes through. We have to have a desire to keep us together. That's what Paul's saying. Commit to unity. 
Let me read a passage, 2 Corinthians 13, 11. It says, finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice, strive for full restoration, encourage one another, be of one mind, live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. Strive for full restoration. God has made us agents of reconciliation. So we are to be people that pull together and not divide. We are to be people that unite others and not split them apart. So if that's what we've been called to do, and God says, if you do that, then the God of love and peace will be with you. God will show up. God values unity. So we need to be people that value unity and strive for unity. I can't get my head around sometimes, especially in this context of racial inequality, of racism, why so many voices from the church have just been so unwilling to talk about it. Imagine if I told you that there was, there was something in your car or something in your house that was going to damage it. You would like, well, how do I get it out? How, how do I do something about this? But you see, I think the thing about racism or the thing about racial inequality is that it touches something deep inside of us that may require us to change. And that's uncomfortable. And I want to acknowledge that it's uncomfortable. You know, I've been, I've been on this journey where I've talked with some friends and I've said, you know, just really help me see this because I'm not quite understanding that part of it. And, and they'll say something to me and it'll touch a nerve and I'll feel like, well, I don't want to change the way I say that. I, I don't want to start, you know, being careful about that. Do I have to tiptoe around? And it's because I was just unwilling to acknowledge something because it was so uncomfortable and it felt like shameful that I would even have any sort of racial prejudice in me. How can I deal with that? Like, how can I even think that I have any form of that in me? But you know what? If there was something in your house, something in your car, something in your life, something in your world, something in our church, something in our society, something in our schools, something in our education systems, if there was something in there that we knew would dismantle, damage, uh, seek to, to ruin or even tamper, we would want to do something about it. So why is it when we bring up this conversation of racial injustice, do suddenly we become apathetic? You know what? We need to be people that value unity. And if we value unity, we need to seek to address anything that seeks to divide us. Paul says to live in harmony with one another. We need to learn to be one, commit to being one. We need to value empathy. We need to value unity. And finally, we need to value humility. Value humility. Romans 12 verse 16 says this, Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. What does conceited mean? It just means thinking more of yourself, thinking bigger of yourself, thinking uh, that you are more important than other people, thinking too highly of yourself. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of a low position. Other translations or some original manuscripts even say, uh, be willing to do menial work. Now, don't be too big for stuff. Don't be, don't be too big, uh, you know, to, to do things that others might just see as unimportant or whatever. Just don't have a too high a view of yourself. See, interestingly enough, when it comes to, uh, to unity, oneness, when it comes to us uh, being a body, Imagine if, if parts of the body were to just 
assume that they were better than others. Imagine if, like we all play different roles, but imagine if, if the I just said, there's, there's a passage about this as well. Imagine if the I just said, oh, actually, you know what? The foot isn't so important. You know, I, I help people see, I, I, I help people see colors and whatever, and the foot saying, oh, the eye isn't so important. It only helps people see, but I, I take people places. See, without humility, it is the perfect breeding ground for prejudice, perfect breeding ground to allow racial inequality to roam freely in our church, to roam freely in our families, to roam freely on our streets, in our society. Why? Because actually the root of racial injustice is the belief that some people are better or worth more or actually have a greater value or higher importance than others. It kind of, it, the root of racism, whether it be intentionally or subconsciously, would argue that some people actually don't deserve the same things that you or me deserve, don't have the same rights to stuff or places or positions. See, the root of it is actually rooted in pride, a belief that there are some people worth more, value more, more important than others. So actually, if we don't value humility, if humility is not something to be uh, held in high esteem when it comes to unity, when it comes to oneness, it allows for division because it allows the belief that some are greater than others, that some are more important than others. You know, when it comes to our church, I just pray that we aren't a community that really, really perpetuates that idea. Now, I don't believe we are, but this can happen in, in so many ways. It can happen in ways that we aren't even aware of. It can happen especially in terms of racism or when it comes to racial equality. That actually, if we, we might say, you know, I, I totally believe that everyone's made equal, but the way we live our life might suggest a little bit different. We might not even be aware of it. I have spoken to some friends um, that are black and who have told me like, ah, the way that you said that, I know you don't believe it, I know you and I, I love you, but the way that you said that doesn't really reflect what you believe. And so often there can be a disconnect between the way we live and what we believe. Romans 12.3, just a couple verses back, it says, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. If we want to be people that are dedicated to unity, dedicated to oneness, we need to be people that do not think of ourselves as, as too highly or too uh, more important than others. It is the breeding ground for racial inequality. And when something happens to one part of the body specifically, it happens to all of the body generally. So when we're talking about racism and you think, oh, I, I don't get it. This is strange, a strange conversation to be having. Why? Because if we are a body, if it happens to one part, that should matter to us. And we need to do something about that. I'm coming into close and I want to read a passage from John. And I think it's so important that if we recognize ourselves as a body, that we commit to holding empathy as a value, that we commit to holding unity as a value, that we strive for unity. 
and that we really, really believe in humility, that we really live out humility on all levels. I encourage you to pray that prayer. God, search me. If there's anything in me, like I believe this, but maybe I'm living out this and I'm not even aware of it. Ask God, just purge you of that stuff. It's just pray that simple prayer. Search me, oh God. And if you find anything in me, just, just rid me of it. Empathy, unity, and humility. John 17, 22 to 23 says this. I, this is Jesus speaking, I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you loved me. You might be sat there this morning and thinking, well, like, I get what you're saying. It all makes sense. But why is it important that we're united? Why is it important that actually we are a body and we seek to, to like push away anything that, that, that seeks to divide us? Why is that important? Why is it important? Listen to this. Jesus is saying God to, to God the Father. He has given us the very glory that God the Father gave Jesus. We have that very same glory available to us. The, the, the power, the majesty, the presence of God we have available to us. Why? So that we may be united in what? Complete unity. Complete unity is only found in the presence of God, in relationship with Jesus. We live in the effect of a united God. Like, think about it. Three in one, unity and diversity. I'm not saying we all need to be the same or we all need to try and be uniformed or like some weird sausage factory. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying we can have diversity, but we have to have unity. Why? Because that is the very essence of God. We live in the effect of God. Unity and diversity. It is his very essence. So what does Jesus say? Then the world will see that you have sent me. And that we will know that, that God loves us just like God loved his son. What is this saying? That if we can get our act together and learn to be united, and we can learn to love one another, we can learn to, to commit to seeing the world through each other's eyes, we can commit to, to being united and casting away anything that seeks to divide us, if we can be like that, then the world will see that there is something at work here. Why? Because out in the world, all that it wants to do is pull people apart, rip people down, rip people open. Unity is not a value of the world. Sin seeks to destroy, to, to isolate, to put people in places where they are on their own. It seeks to pull Christians apart. Can we never do that? Can we just never give in to the schemes of the enemy or we spend all of our time fighting with each other over stupid things when really we are so much more powerful together? Why? Because God blesses unity. When we are one with each other, we are one with Jesus, just like he is one with the Father. Can I say, when we fall out over this stuff, when we, especially when it comes to racial inequality, when we just deny the voice of a part of our body that are crying out in pain, 
When we deny that, we are denying the world of the image of God, of his very essence available to them. Because when we are united, we form the image of God that speaks so loudly to a broken and dying world. Let us not rob the world of that because we cannot be united. I'm so thankful for a God, like it says, that we would know that God loves us just as he loved Jesus. I'm so thankful for a God who loved me when I was broken, who heard me crying out in pain, that when we were separated from God because of our sin, because of all the stupid, wrong, sinful stuff we do, that God sent us Jesus to die on the cross for us. And upon that cross, he put all of our guilt and our shame, and he paid the price for us to be restored back to the Father. Why? Because he loves us. So we, in turn, should love others and commit to being one. Why? Just like he is one. Maybe you're watching this morning and you really want to know this God, this God who, who seeks to bring us together, who seeks to place the lonely in families, a, a community that is to build us up, a God who seeks to pull us into the future, a glorious future that he's created for us. If you want to know that God, the, the God who sent his son to die for you, to pay for all of your sin, if you want to know him, you just need to pray a simple prayer. Just in this very passage, in this very book of Romans, it says, if you believe it in your heart and you confess it with your mouth, that Jesus died for your sin, you too can have a share in life eternally, in a life full of purpose. If that's you, I just want you to respond in yourself and just say, Jesus, I give you my life. I give you my brokenness, my hurt. I give you all the places I fall short, my deficiencies. I give you all my brokenness. Just take it. Thank you for paying for my life. I believe this day will change your life forever. Or maybe you've been listening today and, and you've been going through life, following Jesus and understanding that as an individual, who you are before God, but maybe neglecting that you play a part in a bigger body than just you. And today has convicted you to realize that if the body is hurting somewhere, it should be felt everywhere. That we need to take on the burdens of those who are crying out in pain. If today you just feel like you've missed the mark on that, and I'll be the first to respond to this. And you just want to respond and say, you know what? God, I, I want to learn to, to have empathy. I want to learn to value unity. I, I, want to, I want to be more humble, God. Help me see the world like other people see it and not just dismiss people's pain. If that's you, I encourage you as well, make today a line in the sand moment. You know, your life may not change right now, but at least you will be aware and the journey will start. The journey will begin. You don't have to change everything right now, but you just have to commit to seeing the world differently. You have to commit 
to crying with those who cry. You have to commit to, to mourning with those who mourn, to feeling the pain of those who feel pain. Today can be that day for you. I pray that it's a day for our church. I pray that in the midst of this spirit-led moment, that we as a church can commit to unity, commit to be in the body that God has called us to be. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for who you are. I thank you, God, that you are so present in this very moment. God, I thank you that you have not set us on our own, that you bring us together into communities, into families, into people that will build us up and point us to you. God, I thank you that your heart is to unite and not divide. God, I pray right now for every single person that said they wanted to know you as as their Savior for the first time today, for the first time in their life. God, I pray right now that you would just give them such a revelation that whilst they were still broken, whilst they were still sinners, you died for them because you love them so much and that you will want relationship with them. God, I thank you that their life will never be the same. And God, I just pray for us as a church and for individuals too today that maybe just want to respond to the idea that we've neglected unity, that we have, we have not chosen to feel the pain of those who are in pain, that we have, not, we have not made it a priority in our life to really value the fact that we have been put in a body. God, I pray that this would not be something that we are known for, but actually we would be known for unity, that the world would look at our church and see people from different ages, different generations, different genders, uh, God, I pray that we would see different from people from different races just being together as one unified body to tell the world that you are still at work. God, I thank you for change. God, I thank you that you are not a stagnant God, that you are one who continually pulls us forward into who you made us to be. We love you, God. We thank you for this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, we've loved spending these few moments with you this morning. You know, my prayer is that if you responded today, that you would just get in touch, that you wouldn't do this journey on your own. Maybe this message has been uncomfortable for some people. I don't want to apologize for that because I want us to feel uncomfortable. But I want us to commit to unity. I encourage you to, uh, to get in touch if you have any questions. We want to journey this thing. We want to be a church that commits to justice. God cares about justice. We should care about justice. I absolutely love this community. I love this church. I'm proud of us. Uh, We are doing uh, everything we can for those in need at the moment. But let's just be a, a people that commit to really valuing our unity, valuing our oneness. We love you. We're praying for you. And uh, we'll see you next week. You've been listening to a weekly message from Light Church. If you would like any more information, you can find us online or on social media. Thanks for listening.